Okay, so. All right, Carl. Go ahead. You but, can start, start with one of yours. What, one of my questions? Yes, let's start with one of Carl's questions here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, very um, well. <laughs> before we, we, since we started recording this, this is Gas Radio. We're interviewing Gail Gerger. Um, Hello! second time. <laughs> yeah. And, hi. This time we're not in a hotel room somewhere in Chicago. We are Skyping <laughs> with her. Um, she's in, currently in San Francisco, right? That's right. And it's 3 o'clock in San Francisco. Well, it's 5 o'clock here in Chicago. So, big time difference there. But Yes, um, I am drinking my tea at the moment. Yes, it is tea time right now. It is tea time for me. All right, so onward to the idiotic question. Go ahead, Carl. We're, we're going to mix it up for you. We're going to have Carl's questions, which are really <laughs> kind of weird and out there, and I'm going to have you somewhat professional questions. <laughs> somewhat professional. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you call it, huh? That's what we're going to call it. Somewhat professional, because we're amateurs, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. All right, so, uh, Gail, um, since you mentioned tea, um, you know, let's, let me start with a lead-in uh, to uh, the question. Um, basically, uh, what I was doing earlier before... Uh, this uh, recording started was I actually was loading soda into the refrigerator and apparently like one of the cans like fell off and it spilled and splattered everywhere. Oh so, no! Yeah, it was it was a nasty mess and like uh, that 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 got me to thinking you know I should really stop drinking soda as much. Oh, that's what got you to think that. Yeah, because you know it's like it's all sticky and it's like full of sugar and it's like carbonated because it's Coke you know and. Usually, uh, that's a bad thing if it's, like, all over the place and, you know. So I, I was trying to think of, like, uh, maybe I should start drinking more tea. Um, the problem is, though, I'm not too sure where to start. Um, and you seem to be the, the tea expert uh, between all three of us right now. So. Oh, well, come with me, young Padawan. Uh, <laughs> it, kind <of> dep- <laughs> it kind of depends on your taste. But um, if you're somebody who's, like, turned off by tea because it's, you know, it's too earthy or, I mean, there are many different varieties so that, you know, like, people's flavor goes different directions. But I think a good starter tea tends to be English breakfast. The problem is there's a lot of bad English breakfast out there. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh yeah, so, I, I mean, I recommend a specific kind of English breakfast that I buy and have imported from England, but that's a kind of a large barrier to entry, and it's super caffeinated. Oh, wow. But, I know, I know, but if you want to try, and and people are going to get mad at me for recommending this, but this is just to, like, get your toe in the water, Starbucks actually carries a, it's called their Royal English Breakfast, last time I checked. Okay. Um, and here's what you do. You get it, and you you get the small with the bag that they give you, and you let it seep quite strong until it's a nice dark color, you know, a good minute and a half, two minutes, and then you put a nice big dollop of whole milk in it. Oh, and whole milk. Whole milk. It has to be whole milk. Okay. And, a, a, and then you get, like, more than you would normally put in coffee. And then give that a try. Okay. Um, and if that's if that's not for you, then you're probably not going to like kind of traditional British-style tea, and you're better off trying maybe a green tea or an oolong or a white or something else. But um, that's my, like, step in the right direction. Usually people are turned off by tea because it has, you know, like a tannic aspect or a bitter aspect. And a really good black tea actually shouldn't have that at all. That's like a... For me, that's like coffee. Like a really good coffee shouldn't really taste that bitter, especially not if you put some milk into it. So oh. tea's the same way. 
okay. Yeah, because uh, actually I did, like, you know, when, when you did, like, your uh, book uh, Q&A session in Chicago, like, I actually tried, like, uh, what is it? Oh, uh, yeah, I tried an iced tea that was unsweetened. And uh-huh. that one didn't taste bitter at all, so I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty amazing. Yeah, then that was probably a good tea. So, that, you know, props to volumes if you got it there because <laughs> they make a good tea. Yeah, a good tea shouldn't really shouldn't taste bitter um, unless, you know, some people shoot for that. They really like it. Um, but it, that's kind of like liking a perfumey tea. Like if you like a perfumey tea, like a perfumey fruit, you know, if you're somebody who really goes for, say, papayas and mangoes and, and, you know, passion fruit, then you can take an Earl Grey tea, which has a real perfumey, fruity component to it. But if you really are just after kind of a real mellow experience, then a good English breakfast should give that. Or a good, like, unsweetened iced tea should give that to you. And, you know, frankly, I've been known to put a little milk in my iced tea, but don't okay. tell anybody. Oh, um, <laughs> we won't tell anybody. Uh... Uh, I don't think anybody listens to this podcast, so. <laughs> Good. Well, my secret is safe then. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Actually, um, I'm I'm actually more of like a more, like I'm more of like a plain tea drinker. Um, I do I do like a, I do drink like a, a little bit of tea here and there. Um, typically, I just drink it straight. Um, I forget what kind of tea I did buy from Tivana, because I ah. did, yeah I did buy tea from Tivana before like Starbucks like really got got their claws into the company. So yeah. I did, yeah, I got like a, I forget what it was. I think it was like a, uh, it was like a, either a black tea or a green tea, but whatever. But I would just seep that, and then I'll just drink it straight. So I yeah, you can take it straight too. I mean, like I said, a good tea is is, I don't know. It it, it it's really a matter of taste because there's so many options. It's okay. it's a uh, it's like whether you're somebody who likes you know a good milk chocolate or whether you're someone who goes for a dark chocolate or whether you go for a dark chocolate with you know nuts and spices and chili peppers in it you know like it's it's totally a matter of taste but you know the upside of it of course is that there's many many choices my only stricture is that i think a good a really good tea if you're going to sweeten it at all just a little bit of like milk like milk which has which is sweet by its very nature should be enough for it and if you find yourself loading your tea with sugar then it's not a good tea for you you shouldn't you shouldn't have to have sugar in your tea ever I yeah i agree think. with that as well um, okay, uh, I think that's good enough for that question. Uh, what about you, Dave? Okay, so so time for, for boring, semi-professional question. Um, oh. All right, so the tour for for, for Imprudence just finished. Yes. Well, well, finally, I think, in terms for you. Yes. How, how, how did you feel about this tour since it was you didn't really organize it? You're, you're, it was all... Well, they're always done that way. So anytime an author is on a book tour, it's be- as a rule, it's because their um, publisher has sent them on that tour. So yeah, it's kind of a... Yeah, because honestly, this tour felt like really kind of rushed in a way. It, well, like, well, this is normal. So generally speaking, the reason us authors hate book tours is because it does tend to be something like I just did, which is 10 cities in 10 days, which essentially translates to... Uh, you know, fly, land, do an event, sleep in a hotel, fly, land, do an event, sleep in a hotel. You're usually up at like four in the morning the whole time because, you know, you're catching a flight, you're going through multiple different time zones. It's just, it's pretty brutal. I've always done one-week tours in the past, and I have no idea why my publishing house decided to do two weeks this time around. Um, 
And it was particularly bad also because I've never had a summer release before. Yeah. Uh, so usually when you're traveling, you're traveling with just another a whole bunch of other sort of business frequent flyer travelers. But in the summer, it means there are tourists and everybody's kind of freaking out and panicky <laughs> at the airports. Yeah. It's, um, it and it's hot. <laughs> it's just generally kind of a, a, a not a good time. It's also not a good time, frankly, to have a book release. So I'm hoping I don't I don't have a summer release again. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. I mean, it's hard to complain because so few authors get toured at all. Um, but it is kind of like, there's kind of a point in your career where you're not big enough to be able to say no, (laughs) 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 but you're not, you're not, and you're just not small enough for them to not think it's worth their while to send you on tour. So, um, and I, I'm at that point, but I'm afraid this tour, I was kind of like, you know, I don't really want to do this again so i probably won't um we'll see uh i don't have a book coming out next year for through traditional publishing so i won't i won't have a tour regardless and i do tend to suffer from sort of hindsight where i'm like well it wasn't that bad (laughs) and then and then i do another tour and i'm like oh yeah it's that bad Uh, they're kind of a pain i mean the best part the best part about it genuinely, and I'm, I swear I'm not sucking up, is just seeing people. Like, I do, I am an author that people will come and see, which is pretty rare. Like, right. it's just, like, not something normally people think about. Is like, oh, an author's in town, I want to go see them. You know, like a stand-up comic, sure. An author, not so much. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> but, I can think of a couple authors that if they showed up in Chicago, they'd sell out wherever well, yeah, but those are the authors who don't want to do it anymore for the same reasons I don't want to do it, right? Like, right. Neil Gaiman doesn't want to do events anymore because they're a pain in the ass. <laughs> right. Like, so, yeah. So, I mean, I want to do it because I get to see people and I get to see the bookstores, which are always super fun. And And my events are, like really enjoyable i mean i'm not a nervous person so i don't i'm not nervous about speaking in front of crowds like my readership tends to be pretty bubbly and enthusiastic and have tons of questions and you know they're not like your standard introverted readers they're there but like they're pretty chipper about it (laughs) for introverted readers you know and they're all into usually there are people who are into dressing up either in steampunk or in retro you know it's the lots of book groups have just sort of discovered me in librarians so I get a I get a really cool crowd, um, but unfortunately, because of the way like the New York Times is, and because of the way they want to front load your sales so that people buy the books as much as possible the first couple of weeks they're out, they try and cram your tour into this like yeah. narrow time period, which just exhausts the author. So I mean, there's not a, a much point in doing a tour where it's a little bit more relaxed and casual. Um, although, so my favorites in the past have been like times when I'm. I just have had too many deadlines or something, and so I've maybe done like three or four events on the on the West Coast or on the East Coast, and then that's just been it for the tour. And you know, those are really fun. But yeah, I don't I don't know. It was really rough. <laughs> I'll say that. Like, just yeah. the traveling was tough this time around. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because when you were in Chicago, you seemed like very tired. I was. At, Chicago was the middle of my second leg, so you guys were like my seventh or eighth stop (laughs) so (laughs) and and frankly o'hare is just kind of a beast no matter which way you cut it like yeah there's no good day at o'hare is there a good there is no good day at (laughs) o'hare okay my turn yes your turn
Oh my god, I actually don't really have much any uh, any other questions. Actually, okay, I do. Um, <laughs> this is actually a follow-up from uh, the previous uh, conversation that we've had uh, together. Um, sure. Yeah, uh, I remember, like you mentioned, that you, you read Yoi, Yoi manga, right? I do. Not yeah, as much as I used to. No, I know, but, I, I, but when, I, when I mean Yoi, I mean like Yoi as in like good. Because there's like another... Oh, uh, I meant the other term, but yeah. both of them, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, so yeah, we're, 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 uh, I've, I've actually compiled like a small um, bunch of titles that maybe you should, you should try uh, just checking out if you're, if you're interested in, in it. Um, like, actually, it's, it's weird, it's just, it's, it's a little bit strange, um, you know, from, for an outsider looking into uh, the Japanese, like, entertainment uh, industry, because uh, typically um, how they work is they like, uh, especially nowadays, modern, Modern Japanese entertainment likes to use mixed media um, a lot, so whenever they quote unquote do like an anime character design or whatever, um, they would they would try to put it in as many mediums as possible. They would try and put it in a comic. They would try to make it uh-huh. into an anime. They would try to make it into a video game. You're you're you're, you're starting to do that thing where you just keep talking and yeah. talking and don't get to the point. <laughs> no 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 but no because no, this is because like basically the, the these titles that I that I'm that I'm going to refer to they originally started off as novels. Right, um, but then the the more popular adaptations um, are usually in anime or manga. So, well, I I wouldn't have any idea how that works. Yeah, so um, basically, like the first one, um, maybe you should probably check out um, was uh, we, we were talking about it earlier, uh, Dave. Like it was Kino's Journey, right? Kino's Journey. Yeah, um, Kino's Journey is basically like a. It's been compared to Gulliver's Travels, but yeah. in Japan. Um, yeah, it's a little bit more. It's more funnier and a little bit darker than. And actually, a lot more darker than Gilbert Shovels, but it has that awesome comedic tone to it, where it's, it gets really dark, but all of a sudden, you know, it hits you with slapstick. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And the main the main character is uh, actually a female. Uh, her name is Kino. Like, uh, I don't really want to spoil it any anything more than that. But her name is Kino, and she knows how to take care of herself. She like she knows how to use a gun, and she knows how to use it very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, and she also has like her, her companion is like a talking motorcycle that is really it's it's a it's a it's, little surreal, but it's funny. It's yeah, it's, it's it's great. Yeah, that that's what that's part of the lightheartedness of it. Um, and the author of Kino's Journey also uh, did like another um, series um, called uh, Al- like it was actually like a bunch of stories. Um, the first one was called Allison. Um, then the second one was called uh, Lillian Trez. And those two story arcs were actually uh, ad- adapted into an anime called uh, Allison and Lilia. Um, and what is it? The yeah, the, you you can't re- actually read the novelizations of it because uh, they're not translated. Yeah, they weren't translated and they weren't popular enough because people like to watch anime more. So <laughs> uh, you got Allison and Lilia instead. Uh, was it like the story is uh, like about like two fictitious countries at war with each other? Right, and basically, long story short, like it's kind of like they they, they kind of like give you uh, an idea of how of how sometimes history is shaped by like you know people working behind the shadows and like spreading false truths, yeah, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah, I forgot. I, I haven't. It's been a while since I watched it, but basically, the, the main heroine um, is called Allison, hence the name Allison and Lilia, and Lilia is her daughter because uh, Lilia, like the, the Lilia arc, takes place fifteen years after Allison's adventure is over. Um, and basically what Allison discovers is I think there's, like, this huge government conspiracy um, along with her friend Will. And they both, like, try and figure out how to... Uh, Giving it away. Yeah, pretty much how to solve the problem, so to speak. 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, just look for Allison and Lilia, uh, the animation, because you can't find Allison or... Well, I should probably suspice, I mean, before you keep going, I don't tend to watch a lot of anything. I'm just not okay. a, I'm, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not a, I'm not a television or, <laughs> or mo yeah. movie consumer. I, I read, that's pretty much what I do. It drives my partner nuts, because I'll just be, like, on the couch reading all the time. Even if there's a movie I'm, I'm usually reading. Okay. Like, if I'm not writing, I'm reading somebody else's stuff. Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to keep as much uh, animated adaptations, like, away uh, from this list. And there's, actually, there's one I'm, I'm adding to this list. It's more like, a, it's a Victorian romance novel. Well, not novels. It's no, a series, it's, series it's, of mangas. It, it got translated to an anime, but I actually had the novels in the they actually released the omnibuses a couple. They they released a bunch of omnibuses this year, so they're pretty. It's like a four volume set at this point. Um, it's called Emma. It's actually Victorian London, which is great. For I think I've heard of this one actually. Yes. Um, yeah, they just republished them in the hardcover. Bound. Yeah, they look so. Pretty. Yeah, they look very very nice. They're very pretty and very expensive. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> well, expensive for for me anyway. Yeah, um, like but yes, it's, yeah, Victorian romance made. Falls in love with the gentry and just goes from there. It's it's just a great like story on, in terms of writing and, and art style. It's just very spot on to the, the period. Cool. And yeah, Prince Hakim. You you would like Prince Hakim in that in that story. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Prince, yeah, Prince, oh. Prince Hakim is a prince from India who visits his best friend in London and announces his arrival, going, "Hey, I'm gonna stay here at your house in secret." So I came. Which secret <laughs> for him, he's riding through downtown London in elephants. And he's there <laughs> in secret. <laughs> so yeah, he, he, he does a lot. Hakeem does a, has, provides a lot of the comic relief for, for the series. But yeah, he, he's a great character. You would like him a lot. Sounds great. <laughs> okay, so what, what are you going to add to it, Carl? Okay, um, I think the last one, really. Um, there, there's a series called uh, Aria. Yeah, yeah, Arya. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. The, here's here's a funny thing. The, the is it? Uh, the 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 it was originally a manga, right? And I would actually recommend that you read the manga instead of like the watching the anime because, uh, the anime doesn't do like the artwork justice for it at all. At all. Well, the only problem is like every time like the a publisher picks up the manga, it they never ever ever get a chance to complete the whole thing. So you, you'll find bits and pieces of it. Oh, so it's unfinished? Yeah, it's un, it's unfinished in terms of, in the English side, in the Japanese side, it's completely done. Yeah. yeah well, that doesn't help me. Yeah. But I, I have an absolute horror of things that are A, unfinished, or B, can't stick the landing. Oh, yeah. I'm afraid, I'm afraid Battlestar Galactica, the new one, happened, <laughs> and I was like, that's it. I'm never committing to a television show ever again until it's done, because it destroyed my, the, the ending destroyed me, so... Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, and, and books even more so. There have been a couple of incidences where I have actually screamed and thrown a book across the room because they didn't end it <laughs> the way that they should have as far as I was concerned. Okay, so. well, okay, well, um, all right, well, well, let's see. Well, let, me see let me see if I can try. It's to gotten to the point, actually, where occasionally I will wreck a series that I like so much, but I'll just say don't read any more but the first book. Because it's right. the only one that, like, <laughs> ended appropriately. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same with Arya. I think you read the first five. Well, actually, well, actually let, let, me, let me explain a little bit. Actually, um, the original title for Arya was actually called Aqua, and there was actually three volumes released under that name. 
And then uh, the the author then switched publishers, and then the, the and then the rest of the volumes were called Aria. So you can just you can just uh, you can get the first three volumes of Aqua, and you can just stop right there if you if you don't want to finish the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. The first yeah the first three volumes is just a really nice little package. Yeah. It's perfect. You don't have to read anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because they at the end of the third volume it ends it it left me satisfied. I'm, I'm not sure about you after you read it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Like next time we talk to you, it's like I read Aqua. You were wrong. I hate you now forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. But basically, yeah. He, he, he didn't even explain what Aqua Aqua slash Aria was about. Uh, basically, uh, it's about um like you know Mars was terraformed, right? And it's, pretty much yeah yeah they, 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 they just turned it into a giant Venice. Yeah, they turned it into a, like a giant ocean, and basically there was a, a section of Mars that's essentially a recreation of uh, of Venice, Italy. And that's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, there's a recreation of Venice, Italy, so basically uh, there's gondoliers, but they're all female instead, and they're called Undines? Yeah, Undines. And uh, basically the, the story of, of Aqua and Aria is about like... Uh, just, a a y- small y- company that, that yeah. runs gondolas. Yeah, and they basically just like talk about like the life stories of uh, people like, you know, just going through there, and it's just regular adventures of them <laughs> yeah, just like it's, it's touring... Like, Touring slice of life type thing. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's very awesome. So it's like, you know, you, so basically. It has your slice of sci-fi, then it just kicks you into teeth with, like, old school. Yeah, the the awesome thing about uh, Ari and Aqua is the fact that, like, you know, when you're reading the manga, like, you get all these awesome vistas of, like, hand-drawn stuff, and then you you occasionally see, like, the sci-fi quirk of, like, a, a, like, some sort of hovercraft in the the sky flying around. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, like, all casual. Yeah, it's all very casual. So, yeah, like I said, if you want to, uh, if you want to get into it, look on Amazon for Aqua. Um, and just type in like aqua manga, and then you'll get like at least the first three by Tokyo Pop. And if well, you, you guys want... are gonna send me a list of these things. Via email <laughs> yes, later. We, uh, we will email you. Yeah, or actually, um, can we just like put it like can we message it to you through Skype like after this conversation is over? Or... Sure. Okay. Oh, perfect. Excellent. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go do that then. All right. So, um, and I think that's about it for now. I mean, that should be enough for you. Um, unless you you want to include Godchild in that list too, or no? No, no, no. Godchild is something that should not be read until you've read Godchild. Are you sure? <laughs> no, because that that's more of like a long. It's like it's more of like a mystery, like Victorian style thing. Yes, I know it's a Victorian style mystery, but some of the content slash artwork slash style of writing is very complex and dark and dark. And we don't want to do that right now. <laughs> not Godchild? Yeah, so that's not really my style, frankly. Okay, I, I'm not, no. like, I, yeah, I, I've never been, like, a big, say, Fables fan or anything like that. I'm not okay. into, I'm not into the dark side. Oh, okay, so it's, it's more whimsy, I'm assuming. Yeah, like, like I mean, like Black Butler, for example, is something I really liked. But, it, it, I mean, it get dark, but not too dark. Not oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm guessing you read Alice in the Kingdom of, uh, Kingdom of Hearts. Alice in the Kingdom of the Hearts? Yes. Oh, that, that, uh, not, I don't think so. Yeah. That's another good, that's a good one you should pick up. Oh, books, so. yeah, um, as a side fact for, for Alice in the Kingdom of the Hearts, that was originally, uh, what they call, uh, an Otome game. Yeah. Like, yeah, basically, like, yeah, well, well, yeah, we'll just, we'll just stop there. We'll just call it an, an Otome game. If you want to find out more, we'll, we'll explain it, like, afterwards. We'll explain <laughs> it in another show. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um. Yeah, that, that should be good enough. That should be a good list for, yes, for her to start with. Yeah, a starter list, because. Our goal in life now, Gail, is to increase, um, have you have a dedicated manga shelf in your library somewhere. I see. Yes. Well, that's, I mean, but that's, for me, anyway, like, 
I, I'm again, I'm admitting great secrets here, but uh, that's another downside is I tend to consume now almost exclusively electronically. And I'm really unhappy with a lot of the vehicles for consumption of visual electronics. So like now the only thing I get now are comic books for that are not that are physical and those I tend to wait until there's enough for like a volume, right? So I'm not up to date on any comics. I'm like I just got Squirrel Girl for the first time because I was like, well, finally I'll just give it a try. Um, yeah, and then it just takes me so much longer to read those because the thing about the like my you know my e-reader is that it's always with me, so I can just like pick it out of the doctor's office or whatever and start reading. Whereas if I have to remember to bring the comic book with me, I just don't. So that's the other downside of getting into manga. I don't need a shelf. I don't like stuff. I don't want to collect a shelf full of <laughs> manga. Oh, you and me both. Yeah. Oh man, I'm, I'm I'm at that phase too. Yeah, I'm not quite <laughs> at that phase. I have like something like thirty some volumes. Of that's ridiculous. I'm at the phase where I'm like patiently, I'm patiently twiddling my thumbs and waiting for all of my favorite old, like OP fantasies and sci-fi's from the '80s to finally get digitalized, so I could just throw away the physical copy that I still have because <laughs> I only have it because it's out of print and it's still there. Yeah, yeah, I have a couple books that are out of print and yet to get rid of. And it's so frustrating because sometimes they get digitalized and then I get excited and I get it, but the digitalized version is really badly done and I still have to keep the original. Or, or, or like it says re-edited by and it's why. <laughs> I, I, I downloaded a couple of books and I forgot which, who, who was it from, but it was like these old Pulp Fictions from the 20s and 30s. Uh-huh. Like sci-fi Pulp Fictions. And it was like early Gene Roddenberry stuff, early, early Asimov stuff from like the the fifties and sixties. And I downloaded them on ebook, and they're like, "Oh look, re-edited by." I'm like, "Oh god, no!" So oh no! <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and I have I have the original one in my hand, ready to throw out or don't donate over the half price. And I'm like flipping through it. Oh my god, they, they deleted like paragraphs, pages, sections of yeah. story. And yeah. so I have almost my entire set of Pulp Fiction of Rod Sterling, Gene Roddenberry, intact because the re-edits are just terrible. Yeah, or they they all decide to, like, censor it or something. That's another yeah, that, that, common... Yeah, I, I find that a lot when it comes to uh, Rod Sterling stuff, writing, early writing. They censor the living hell out of it. Yeah. It, it's a horror novel, guys. Come on, but suck it up, you know, like, there was one where it was, like, the guy's a used car salesman, he gets a car possessed by the devil, and whoever owns it dies eventually after he kills off his whole family in accidents, and apparently it's no longer a car, and it's not the devil, it's not a person, and he's an evil entity. No. <laughs> Completely <laughs> changed the story. Um, I don't know who gets to do edits on old classics, but they should burn, burn at the stake. <laughs> um, but that's just my opinion. Anyway, so, um, okay, so one of the things I actually wanted to ask you is actually, wh- what did you think when Confusion asked you to be their guest of honor for next week's time in, in Detroit? For Detroit? I was pretty excited, actually. Um, I've heard a lot about Confusion, so I, uh, um, I've been kind of dithering about trying to visit it myself the dithering being like i don't want to fly to detroit in january from california as 
first of all, there's no direct flights, and that always, like, weighs pretty heavily on my decisions for or against a convention these days. So, and, like, second of all, I was like, oh, God, if there's if that means a layover in Chicago, which means I'll get stranded either in Detroit or Chicago. Um, turns out that the directs are through Salt Lake or Phoenix, which is way easier, or the indirects. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so I thought about it because I, I heard a lot of my, I have a lot of good friends who go pretty regularly and really like it. And it's turning itself into a, kind of a little mini author pros con. Right. Um, I think probably because of the proximity and presence of Subterranean. Um, and then because Justin was doing the uh, programming for a while. But, you know, so I was like, okay, it's kind of got on my radar a couple years ago, but I never, you know, went because of the aforementioned issues. <laughs> um, it takes a lot for me to, you know, get off my butt and go to a convention that I haven't been invited to in terms of just dropping in to be a guest because, you know, it's expensive right. and time-consuming. Um, yeah, so then when they invited me, I got super, super excited about it. Um, I think, I'm not sure, because I don't know the rigmarole, but, you know, there's always strange activities behind the scenes when you get, get invited, but I, I got super excited when I noticed online that um, that Mal and um, Karen were going to be the other guests of honor, because I know both of them. And I was like, oh my god, look, they're going to be guests of honor at this con. You guys should all go to this con. And then a little while later, I got invited to be the pro guest, and I was like, wait, <laughs> Is that why? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so I am, like, super good friends with the two other guests of honor, so the three of us are just going to be palling about like crazy. I hope the uh, artist guests of honor doesn't feel neglected. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm hoping I'll get on a, a panel with the two of them. That would be really, really fun. I don't know what we'll talk about, but we could talk about anything. So. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. I think it's, it's one of the few kind of regular sci-fi cons that I'm doing next year. I, I have a, a steampunk con, two steampunk cons, and then that. Um, and then I'm pretty slim on the ground next year because I'm kind of taking a, a break from travel. Oh, I, um, I, was, I was about to say, if you're just going to slum it around, you should just go visit the steampunk capital of the world and not New Zealand. But... I've been there, to Omaru. Yeah, I've been there. So that one's done. I've been to New Zealand twice now, um, and the second time I made sure to go to Omaru. Took lots of pictures, not enough as it turns out, but yeah, you, you know, I have to go back again. Um, yeah, it was really, it's really, really amazing. It's so cute. I love New Zealand. It's one of my favorite places in the world. Um, they're actually bidding for a world con, and fingers crossed, I'll be going back again in 2020 if they win. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I've got some um, some changes, and one of the changes I was trying to do was pull back a little bit on how many events I did next year, but, like, I usually never do anything in January. I just kind of try and reboot my year with no travel in January and just writing to kind of, right. I don't know, get, get the year started off on the right foot, but then when Confusion was like, come to us, I paid pretty much was just fine. Fine. <laughs> and I'm trying to persuade a couple of my friends to come down from Canada and some writer buddies to, you know, make an appearance. So fingers crossed my friend Lee will come over from England even. So it should be really, really fun. So if you are in the vicinity of Detroit in January and you feel like driving over, everybody should come. It's going to be a party. Yeah, we're like four and a half hours away. 
So. Yeah, do it. The more I do conventions, I, and this is coming off of Worldcon, and no offense to them, because you have to have these panels. But the, like, if I do another Steampunk 101 panel before I die, up. it'll be too many. Yeah. It's, um, like a, oh, it's like a beating a dead horse at this point? Or? Yeah, it's just, well, it's not even that, because frankly, the it's new to the people who are in the room at the time, right? But I have done 80 of them already. Yeah. There comes a point where I'm like, maybe the Steampunk 101, people on the Steampunk 101 panel should be the newer Steampunk authors rather than the more established ones. That's true. Wait, did, um, did, speaking of uh, speaking of which, did anybody like out of out of the 80s, the 80 uh, panels that you did about that, did anybody ever decide to like, oh, I'm just going to record you and then we'll just you know, immortalize this for posterity so that way you don't have to do this anymore because we got the definitive. Well, well, that's the good thing that does come out of it is I probably should have done this sooner, but I did start to osmos like the questions that I get asked all the time and I then turn them into blog posts because oh. I'm like, if people keep asking me this all the time at a convention, then other people are out there who have this question. So I do this, I do this thing on the blog that I call the occasional FAQ, which, which sometimes is just people asking me questions about my books um, and sometimes is like steampunk related or writing related or whatever. And it's just like the more I do book tours and the more I do conventions, the more like questions I get that I feel like people want to know. So I just answer them. And then when I get that like fan letter or email or tweet, I can be like, look, funnily enough, I have a whole blog post explaining this for you. So here's the link. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't have to keep repeating myself. Um, yeah, because the thing to remember, I suppose, at, at my state as an author is that I have had the question a million times, but the person who's asking the question is the first time they've asked. Right. So, like, it doesn't, it's not, it's not right or kind or decent to get mad because I've heard it a million times. That's exactly the wrong reaction. Yep. Um, so what I what it, instead what I need to do is just realize I'm getting it a million times. Do a blog post, and then, yeah. <laughs> that's, it's that's, like one of the vehicles I use the blog for now is just to to do that. And it, frankly, it's also one of the reasons I keep going out. I mean, first of all, I'm kind of social for an author, but second of all, it gives me like actually going to bookstores and talking to people and going to conventions and talking to people gives me a read on not only what people want from me as a writer, but what they're interested in knowing about. And it does shift. Yeah, I do get the same Steampunk 101 questions over and over again, but other stuff shifts. You know, like, and, and you can sort of get a feel for that on social media, but nothing beats, like, going out and just having conversations with people because you can kind of deeply get into depth about not just why the questions are changing, but the reason that people are asking those questions. So... Yeah. No. That was a very uh, very deep esoteric <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very very high level. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I had to pull out my 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 thinking cap for a second. Oh yes. <laughs> so <laughs> you can you can put your dunce cap back on now. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking more like a Ken flowchart kind of thing. Yeah, Ken flowchart. Kind of thing. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's like an inside joke. Uh, but, but okay, um, I don't know. Well, well, I guess I guess what you want to just call this one the last question I'm going to ask her. Uh, yes, let's call. Well, actually, one. I have one more, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll, two, okay, two I'll, more questions. questions. Two okay. More questions. I'll ask. I'll ask my last question, and it doesn't relate to anything re about entropy and okay. this area of the universe. Okay. That's an Asimov joke, but. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is still forty-two. 
that's true. All right. Um. Okay. Uh. I do. Um. Uh. Dave. Dave. Well, I've I've observed that you're a big fan of uh, various confectionaries. So. Uh mm-hmm. Um. I was actually wondering, like, uh, what were some of the best ones that you've had? Oh my God! One of the best sweets. Yeah. Oh. Well. Okay. <laughs> This, I could talk about this for a very long time, because <laughs> I have a terrible sweet tooth. Like, people have different uh, things that they're addicted to, do too, and mine is sugar. I love, I love sweet things. I am a particularly huge fan of the anything in the custard arena, oh. um, So or things that are kind of eggy and custardy. So, for example, my donut is the French cooler, always and forever, because it has that kind of almost this sort of eggy quality to it that I really gravitate towards. So let me see. I, I and just completely breaking from that entire concept. My favorite dessert in existence was the way my grandmother, who is British, and I am aware that it's not a British dessert, but my British <laughs> grandmother would make raspberry pavlova. And she was from Devon. And so her pavlova involved clotted cream, um, which is, you know, weird and as it and it also involves something called sticky meringue which is um which is a peculiarly british kind of form of meringue and and so and that's would be hard to make and it's really hard to make you need a copper bowl you have to kind of hand whisk the whites and mm. at least this is what i have understood and why i have never attempted to make it um so that's so that i now on a completely different stance like any pretty much anything that has passion fruit in it is my jam like Literally and figuratively, there is a um, there's a place out of Hilo in Hawaii that makes passion fruit curd, like lemon curd, but passion fruit flavored. And I order a, a dozen of those every year for myself for Christmas and have them shipped from Hawaii because I love them so much. Um, so yeah, they don't last the week, do they? No, they, 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 you, I, even I cannot eat my way through something that intense that quickly. So, uh, they, they do last the whole year. It's one a month, basically. Your, your pancreas is like, I'm going to crash you right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I have a terrible sweet tooth, but I can't eat a whole lot of sweet. So, um, like a little mac- macaron, for example, is like the perfect thing for me. Um, so yeah, so those are the things I really, I really go for custards. And I mean, there's a, uh, a, a, uh, I like a puff pastry too a lot. So there's a there's something called Portuguese, I guess, custard tart, which is sometimes called Portuguese cheese tart in other parts of the world, which is sort of like a, a Danish, but it has a very custard middle, and it, and it usually has like nutmeg or cinnamon on top. Yes. And then there is a, a street food in the island, the Greek islands, called bugacha, which is like galactobudico, which is a phyllo dough with a semolina custard in it. Um, but bulgacha is served in squares and it has cinnamon and sugar on the top of it. And that's pretty much like if you made a thing that's tailored to me, it is a flaky pastry, a custard and some cinnamon. Um, and I'll take that in any breed it comes in or any sweet that involves passion fruit. <laughs> so those are my things. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a chocolate girl. I'll take it, and I like it, but I'm not one of those people who has to have a, a, a butt ton of chocolate. Um, it's As far as I'm concerned, pretty much in all cuisine, it does tend to be all about the egg. I love an egg in its many and glorious forms, sweet or savory. 
Okay. Um, actually, if you know, if you told me that you liked like uh, creamy, creamy type uh, desserts, I actually came back from the Philippines like uh, not too long ago. Yeah, not too long ago, and there was actually uh, a local, a, lo- a local cuisine, a local cookie that's only made in one part of the Philippines. Yeah, it's, uh, almost, it's almost exactly how you describe. Uh, yeah, it's called. Well, there's. Was it? It's called Silvana. So I think I've heard. Uh, well, that's the other thing I do is I like travel places, and then I just turn around to whoever I might know who's local. Sometimes a translator, if I'm there at a convention or whatever, yeah. and I just like take me to your like iconic dessert. And feed it to me. It is the thing I must eat. We have a dim sum place here um, near where I live that does a mochi style dessert. That's a green tea mochi with a salted but sweet vanilla custard on the inside. And then they deep fry it. So the custard turns liquidy. And the mochi is that lovely, like, squishy rice but it's crispy and like blistered on the outside. It is so amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I pretty much I'm, I'm kind of on a one woman mission to try the custard thing that every land has because I'm convinced every land has it. And yeah. then I am on a mission. And then the pancake. Every land has some sort of like flat pancake thing. I want to try that. And then uh, any strange fruit that you can't get. <laughs> I was like, is there a weird fruit I've never tried? I will eat that fruit. I, yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? Um, I actually found some good news. The, the, that, that, that cookie maker that I just mentioned, that dessert, they actually, mm-hmm. have, they actually do have a branch in the United States in Daly City. Yeah, in Daly, in Daly City, Daly City. Oh, City. hey, that's right near me. Yes, so, <laughs> you suck. <laughs> I'll just tell you that right now. You suck. <laughs> All right, I've got a quest. <laughs> you guys, you've got a quest. I'll, I will link you the. I will link you the thing like after the after this uh, show. It's over. probably just like a factory or something, and I'll just turn up on the doorstep and be like, knock, 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 knock. I hear you have a thing. I'm supposed to try. That's custard adjacent. Give me the thing. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, you know. Secretly, that's why I named the third. The, so my third series is called the Custard Protocol series, and it's because the first series people kept giving me like octopus stuff and parasol stuff because that kept getting mentioned in the books. And so when it came time to write the next series, I was like, I got to put something I really love in the books. I called it the custard vertical series in hopes that people would just like constantly give me custard. It hasn't really worked, but I live in hope. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When your third book comes out and you're in Chicago, I will bring you a custard type dessert. Yes. Yes! And, if, and I'll probably end up making said custard dessert because I'm a pretty damn good baker myself. So Yes, make all the custard things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's actually a type of custard made in my mom's hometown that's, that's kind of really specific, and I'd have to go back to Mexico so my aunt could teach me how to make it because it's also a labor-intensive custard. <laughs> I take this so far. You've just reminded me. I, uh, I, I wear a perfume that that smells to a lot of people like flan, at least in, in this part of the world. <laughs> I like to joke against tell your ethnicity because I'll walk into the room and people will be like, you smell like flan. Or they'll be like, you smell like a sugar cookie. And I'll be like, you're from the Midwest, aren't you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> or you smell like, I don't know, yeah. 
um, taffy or something. I'll be like, uh, I think tell which part of the world you're from by what you think I smell like. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that is so amazing. That's it. <laughs> when you come back to Chicago, it's going to be flan with, it's, it's not flan, it's some sort of custard with the gañadas. Well, well, you're chewing oh. on a Silvanus cookie. Oh, no, no, you don't like to see. There's a <laughs> thing with this cookie called la, la regañada, which in tra- translated means the scolding. Uh-huh. Because these cookies used to be made by goddaughters would go, uh, granddaughters would go to their grandmother's house to make cookies. And so eventually it got turned into where the granddaughters would go, but they would say, we're not going to go make cookies. We're just going to go get scalded. And so that's why they got became. Oh, the cool. I like it. And it's it's a it's a regional cookie from Central Mexico, and it's really it's like a sugar cookie but Mexican style. So, ooh, but you will have I, a dozen of those plus some a, a custard concoction that I will make oh. for you. It's, it's, it's recorded. Well, this it's is like happen. this was my question um, in France when we were. <laughs> Okay, so we uh, we went to France a, a couple of years ago. Uh, my partner and I had two conventions there, and then uh, we spent a little time kind of traveling around, and we ended up in Paris, as you do. And during this whole time we were there, we were there for about two weeks, I spent the whole time wanting to eat Il Flotin. So, like, there's a couple of ways to do it, but, like, the traditional, traditional way is it's Il Flotin is floating islands, and they're, like, a, they're a light meringue, so they're a puffy meringue, kind of, like, on the top of lemon meringue pie, but it's poached in a custard, and it's traditionally done in a in just a standard um, vanilla-ish custard, but, you know, very high quality, obviously, uh, but it, it can also be done with chocolate and, and various, and then it usually has sort of a drizzle of something else, you know, a little sugar decoration on it, a little drizzle of blackberry something or, yeah. or whatever. So uh, I was on this quest, and I could not find it anywhere, and so it's our last night in Paris, and we're literally just going from one French restaurant to the next looking at the dessert menu. (laughs) (laughs) And so we finally get to this place and it's super packed and it's super crowded and there's lots of locals there and it's in a kind of an obscure arrangement of the city. And um, the white chick who speaks no French whatsoever with an expression of extreme desperation on her face like busts through to the waiter and is like, we need to eat here. (laughs) And the waiter is like... There's a lot of other people here. It's very, like, and it's giving us the, like, you are tourists. You do not deserve this food thing. <laughs> and I was soda. like, yes. and I was like, but you guys have il flotant. <laughs> he was like, oh, oh, you may sit. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And it was delicious. It was, it was totally worth it. <laughs> oh, man. That was amazing. <laughs> Wait, did you have a question to ask her? I totally forgot. Oh, no, you had one more question. Yeah, he forgot. I had one more question, but this, this past, like, 10-minute conversation, so you know what? We don't need another question. We don't need another question this yeah. should, at this point because it's just been great talking to you, Gail. Um, oh, it's a pleasure, boys, as always. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll start getting, getting those links ready for you. We'll, we'll get the links ready for you. And you, you know what? We're just going to send you. You know what? We're just going to send you the three-volume set of Aqua. So you don't have to for it. <laughs> yeah. That way you have something. That'll force me to, <laughs> force me to read it, huh? Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, pretty we'll, much. We'll send it to, we'll put a note on it saying, read on flight to Detroit. 
Oh. <laughs> now we have something to read on the phone. Yeah, it shouldn't be too long, because typically manga isn't that, like, long to read. It's a lot of pages, but it's pictures. Flight. <laughs> yeah. Everybody well, it's not a short flight, you guys. Remember, I'm coming across most of the United States. Oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll send Aqua, uh, Aqua and something else. Cool. <laughs> we'll send you Aqua and something else. Don't worry. We'll, 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 make, we'll make sure you have enough to read. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, thanks, guys. Alright, we will see, hopefully, we'll, maybe if we're lucky, we will see you in Detroit. Yes, do try to come, that would be awesome. We All can right. do this again. Alright, uh, so once again, this is uh, Gail Carragher? <laughs> yes, that's right, that's me. Yay! Talking to us idiots here at Gas Radio. And with that, we would like to bid you adieu. Alright. Take care! Bye! Bye. <laughs>